0: the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.
1: This is Jay Harwood with the Amazing Mets Alumni Podcast with a longtime friend, Mr. Bruce Beck, one of the top sportscasters in the country in NBC. Hey, Bruce, before we get started on the hardcore stuff, my clumsiness almost ruined and maybe saved one of your live broadcasts down in Florida. Could you tell us what exactly happened that day?
2: Yes, Jay. It's great to be with you. But there was a moment where we were live on WNBC from Port St. Lucie, and I was getting ready to do the broadcast at 6 o'clock, and Jimmy Roberts, my cameraman, and I both lost all audio uh, transmission back to New York, and we had no way of hearing the truck. They were able to hear us in New York. So we had to have someone who was a conduit to the whole uh, setup, and there was Jay Harowitz with a cell phone. And Jimmy goes, "Jay, Jay, call New York, call this number right away, and tell them Bruce is ready to go. Let us know. Let us know exactly when Bruce gets queued by New York." So Jay picks up the phone and calls New York, and they say, "Jay, cue Bruce in five, four, three, two, one, go." And Jay. You know, throws his arm and I start the broadcast and everything's going well and I lead to a minute tape piece. Well, Jay is our only conduit to New York at this point And he looks over at me and Jimmy and just like walks away with the phone thinking his job was done. I but, did do that, Bruce. Yes, you did. The broadcast was still on, Jay. <laughs> and you came, Jimmy yells to you. You go over to another live show where Scott Clark was for WABC. And all of a sudden, Jimmy realizes you're gone and goes, Jay, get back here, get back here. You race back. You call New York on your cell phone again and without breaking stride, they think you've been on the whole time. It reconnects and they're going, Three, two, <laughs> one, cue Bruce, and you cued me right on time. It was, and I got it, was it done. My last perfectly. director's
1: part, Bruce, you know? It, it, it,
2: ah, it was a great save. Yeah, well, we really appreciate
1: it. <laughs> all's well that ends well. Exactly. Bruce, uh, history has it, you accurately predicted the results at pitching lines in the fifth game the Division Series of 2015, you predicted that DeGrom would go six, uh, Noah would go one, familiar with a six-out save, and the Mets would win three to two. Is that
2: correct? That's correct, Jay. You haven't mentioned all of the predictions I got wrong, but okay. I got that one right on the set on WNBC at 6 o'clock. I just felt that the Gron was going to have to be replaced by Syndergaard if you were going to do anything. Don't put it to chance. Give Noah the ball for at least an inning was my feeling, and then have Familia come in for six outs. And I predicted the score would be three-two Mets, and that's the way it ended up. And afterwards, Chuck Scarborough in his in his classic voice of Bruce, a uh, pretty good prediction. Three-two Mets. That's exactly what it was. You should go straight to Las Vegas. <laughs> I said, Chuck. I didn't tell you about Super Bowl last year, about another event that I've covered over the years, like the World Series. But at least I got this one right. But I just felt the Mets were going to win in that fashion.
1: Uh, hey, Bruce, mention um, m- m- another question. E- Eli, you know, Eli Manning is retired this year. Uh, David Wright, an injury cut h- short his career. You know, I'm a as you know I'm a big gigantic Giant fan and a big David Wright fan. And to me, there are a lot of similarities between the two of them. Both guys have no egos. They both do a lot of charity work. And for me, both guys seem like they're better people than players. Is that that an accurate assessment from your part?
2: I think so. I think when you think of the athletes of the last 20 years and you think about cooperation and you think about class, you really think about David Wright, Jeter, and Eli Manning. Those were the three that kind of stood out to me. And believe it or not, Carmelo Anthony was tremendous to work with. He stood... He stood up after every loss. But the thing about David that that I loved was his humility. He never changed. You know, some guys change when they have success. David went through success and he went through, you know, hardship. He went through disappointment at the end with the injuries. But he was always up front. He was always there to talk about any loss or anything that was going on with the organization that wasn't, you know, going smoothly. So I'll always respect David. And he never blew me off or any of us off. He talked through crisis and he talked through all the highs with the organization. What a great representative of the Mets over the years. And
1: Bruce, you were there in in, in August of two thousand and fifteen, where he David's out for a injuries injuries and it hits a home run in the first at bat in Philadelphia.
2: And I remember the the pregame where we were talking to Terry Collins, and he goes, "What the hell are you guys here for?" Like, Terry, sorry, we're here because David Wright's making return. And Wilbur Flores had two homers that night. But it was and it was a big Mets comeback. But it was David Wright's story. It was his comeback with the home run. And and I wanted to talk to David more than anything after the game because hey, he was the Mets franchise. He was the face of the franchise. And it was a great comeback, a great return. And, you know, it was only fitting that he did it on the road and he did it in his first game and you know that that's definitely one of David's, I think, highlights of his career. That that way he came back with style.
1: Bruce, you mentioned Terry Collins, and I know firsthand that you were always one of Terry's favorites. I mean, to, get, <laughs> to come back on a Sunday night to do your show, once I mention with Bruce Beck, said, I'll be there for Bruce anytime he wants me. I'll be there. Let's go back to one thing after we clinched in in, in Chicago uh, when we swept the Cubs in four straight games in, in fifteen. I know it was an emotional night for Terry. He had been fired twice, going back to the World Series. I know you you, you talked to him one-on-one in his office. What was that
2: conversation like? His last line was, Hey, New York, we're going to the World Series. And I thought that on my sizzle reel, which which uh, really represents my career, It it, it was funny because Look, Terry was in a battle guy all those years. No one believed he was that good of a manager. And then to bring the team to the World Series in the way they did it in such emphatic fashion at Chicago, we were interviewing everybody in the locker room, and then on my way towards the field, I saw Terry in the manager's office, and I just grabbed him, and I started to do the interview. I put my arm around him. He put his arm around me like he was putting me in a bear hug, like he was Gorilla Monsoon. And it was just a great interview, a poignant moment, and it was definitely the high point I would think of, of, of Terry's career in terms of what he accomplished. And, and I remember that being just a special moment. It was
1: how, have you have been able to work the, the the line of asking tough questions, getting to the point, but not alienating any the guy you're interviewing. A lot of people don't have that knack. I mean, I, in my years as a PR director, I don't remember anybody ever refusing to interview you because they knew you would get a fair shake. But how do you, in your mind, did you pattern yourself after anyone or to get to that point we can get to the point without alienating the people you're interviewing.
2: Jay, I've I've pissed off many people over the years, too. I've asked a question after a game, saying to a player, do you take responsibility for this? But I, I've also learned from, from an iconic athlete that you can be tough but fair. As long as you're fair and you're also around a lot. Like if a guy's in a slump and somebody new comes on the beat and asks a question... It's one thing, but when you ask the question and you're always there, they they don't get as angry because you just try to be fair, Jay, and I appreciate the compliment, but I think it's a matter of doing your homework, asking the question that makes sense, and then hoping you have enough of a relationship with an athlete or a manager or an owner that he answers the question fairly and that your question was not off base.
1: There's a couple more of your highlights that you and I talked about before. In one particular game, uh, Pedro Martinez strikes out to the side. He's excited to speak to you after the game. He's speaking to you with a towel only wrapped around
2: his waist and
1: pretty excited. <laughs> do you remember that interview in the locker room?
2: I do. I do. And here here was Pedro. Like His numbers, if you go back to him, are just mind-boggling how good and how dominant of a pitcher he was. And He's got the towel around his waist, and his his belly is coming over, and he's not really that defined with his chest. he doesn't look like what you would think of as a professional athlete and We started talking about the the steroid era and and just the fact of what he accomplished and he just turns to me and goes, "How good was I that I did it without that s h i you know what like i didn't use that stuff and I looked back at him like, "Wow like." That kind of a statement means he beat him with his stuff. He beat him with his guile, with his style, with his with his cleverness. And, and and it was just a great testament to Pedro. He was so honest. It was it was refreshing. And I love the fact that he said he beat him without ever taking that stuff.
1: You well, know, he's one of my favorite guys. But the truth is, you've always liked the offbeat interviews. You know, like, you know, this year you played golf with Jeff McNeil. A couple of years ago, you interviewed Garth Brooks in spring training. Do you consciously look for those kind of interviews off the beaten way a little bit?
2: You do. I remember once going to get Derek Bell on his boat. Right. He had a boat in spring training. And like, what the hell am I doing a feature on a boat for? This year, McNeil, who is a scratch golfer, who actually was thinking about becoming a pro until he decided to go full-time in baseball. I went out and played four or five holes with him. I mean, I'm a decent guy for him, like an eight handicap. McNeil's, and I go out and I played really well, but McNeil's hit the ball 56 yards past where I hit my drive, and I hit it okay. Uh, But it's fun to get an athlete in their own domain. Get, get Get them away from baseball. Get them doing something that they love to do. I always try to connect. And, and try to cover a different aspect because that's what our news directors look for these days. They don't just want mundane straight baseball. Let's go and, and see a player doing you know a habitat for the humanity. Jay you guys have done that over the years. And and I got Siever once doing that. And when you get an iconic player, you know, helping the community you get them in a different light, where you can get different responses, and I think it shows the the public that they are real, not just this guy on the field.
1: You, yeah, Bruce, I know your too. You've always looked to do the charity work that the players do, whether it's David at the. At the fire Stephen Match's bowling things. You're helping Ed Crane You're doing PR, helping him get a kidney, which thankfully got last year. Have you always tried to do that with other teams too, just to try and highlight a player's charities, what he does?
2: I think giving back to the community is paramount. I think you have a responsibility as an athlete today, and there's nothing like seeing someone give up their time to go to Sloan Kettering to go to a children's hospital in Jersey to, to, to give back, to show up and do, like we said, help build homes, rebuild homes for a family. So we always look for that. And over the years, the Mets visiting firehouses. I remember every year, 9 nine eleven, we go to a different firehouse. And, and, and those people, not only do the athletes appreciate you showing up, but the, the people or the firemen in that case, they really are, are are so thankful that you cared enough to go out there. So... I To me, Jay, it's, it's a great way to connect as well because you're getting the athlete away from the ball field, and if you cover an athlete's charity like Johnny Franco's, then you also have a relationship with them for life, and I respect greatly. My parents always said to me, you know, receiving is nice, giving is nicer, giving back is nicest of all. And I'd love to pay that off. But
1: going with an athlete in another place, I remember the interview you did with Bobby V at his home on the 15th anniversary of 9-11. You know, did it from his house. It was a pretty poignant interview.
2: Jay, there's there's nothing that was more impactful than the way the Mets and the New York sports community did their amazing charitable work right after 9-11. And it wasn't so much charitable work. It was humanity. It was just, it was doing things for New York to, to, to help with the healing. And obviously Piazza's home run, which was iconic, did a great deal to, to heal New York in a time where we were really looking for something that was positive. But Bobby V and the work that he did with his team and the entire Mets organization was was just beyond anything that you could imagine. And so I sat with Bobby on his porch about 15 years afterwards in Connecticut and reflected back on what it meant. And that guy's got an amazing heart. Uh, there's something special about Bobby V. He was embraced by New York. You know, it wasn't it? Wasn't just about baseball. It was about his humanity, and and that really you know you know shined through when we talked about nine eleven. Bobby did a
1: great job, Bruce. And finally, personally, I, I wanted to thank you personally for all the support you gave um, Shannon Ford with all of her charity stuff at the end. I mean, you're always there helping to raise money and awareness, and and it was a special to us here all the kindness you showed her, and it's not forgotten here, and our family still talks about all the nice things you did for her. Remember the one time that Pete Caldari song at her uh, at her fundraiser. So just want you to know it's uh, it's a bit for you guys did for her and won't be forgotten.
2: Well, Jay, she was special. She was she was the best, and sometimes even you, Jay, you know you, you were a little bit you know. You were very stern in your convictions about things, and sometimes you didn't want to waver. And I, we would go to Shannon because I used to say Shannon was the one that somehow would say, "Okay, let's keep this in perspective, Bruce. Don't be angry at Jay. We need to work this out." She she was an amazing person, and not only me, but every writer in New York, everyone loved her immensely, and. Any of the events that we had for her, whether it was at the ball field at Little Ferry or Pete Caldera singing at Foley's and us doing a fundraiser, grassroots, everybody just giving a little bit of money, it it just showed the affection that we had for her and the family. And for you, Jay, you did so much for her over the years. I know she was like a sister to you. You treated her that way but we felt she was family and we will miss her forever.
1: Me too, Bruce. Bruce, you're great. You're a good friend, man. And I'll, and I'll see you soon.
2: Hey, Brendan, Don't worry, buddy. Thanks, Bruce. Appreciate
1: yeah. you. Bye-bye. bye Okay, thanks a
2: lot. Thank
1: you, Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
3: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it.